so today we wrap up this four-week series. It's kind of been a, a fun uh, adventure, a fun journey, and we, we, I think that the last three weeks have been great, um, but I'm, I, as a matter of fact, just more looking forward to what's going to happen today and the message today. We started off this, this whole series with the idea of, of this, that <clears throat> faith um, is like a journey, and that God's constantly trying to draw us deeper into faith. And, and the, the idea is, it, is there a way for us to, to kind of go deeper, to, to experience more of God together? And as we've been trying to answer that question and see are there ways we could do it, it really led us to the first question, and that was simply this. But isn't that the church's job? Like, isn't that the church's responsibility to take me or push me deeper into my faith? And what we discovered was, even though that's a really kind of safe assumption, is that that's not how God sees it at all, that, that we need to take responsibility for ourselves. And what we learned in week one is that we need to be self-feeders. We need to feed ourselves, that, that we need to take responsibility and kind of put down the baby bottle, if you will, and pick up a fork and, and eat some bigger food and kind of grow and mature in our faith. That was week one. Week two, we, we discovered that, that it's not good enough for us to just kind of sit on the couch, that we have to begin working out. We have to work out what God is working in and put some, some action to our faith and, and begin to, to do something with all of the, the things that we've learned in our faith. And then in week three, we discovered that we is always greater than me. That when it comes to faith, so many people walk through faith like it's, it's their own private relationship and don't ask questions and I won't talk about it, it's mine. But what we really discovered is the way God intended us to walk through faith is to walk through it together. That we are better together and that we grow better together. And then at some point along your faith journey, you need to put some we around the me to your faith. You need to surround yourselves with people that would encourage you and pick you up and challenge you and keep you accountable. Now, as we, we continued the, the talk and we kind of walked through saying that there were kind of four dials or four things we needed to do to grow our faith, that was uh, the first three of them. The last one is, I believe, probably the most challenging, but also the most rewarding. I think this, this last one is the one I'm most excited about because it's, it's the one that if, if you get this thing right, if you were to do this and not do the other three, this would be enough to project you into a, a relationship with God that you never thought possible before. It would take you to depths you'd never imagined before just by doing this, this final thing. So I'm going to start off by telling you a little story. This is a story that I remember from my childhood. It's one of those moments that just kind of linger in your mind and hang with you forever, and you're really not sure why. Um, when it happened, it seemed something very small to everyone else, but to me, it just kind of hung with me for years, and I can't tell you how many times I kind of thought back to this and, and really not sure why. I was about 12 years old. Um, I grew up in a, a home of uh, pretty solid Christians. My parents had me in church since like the day I was born. I, I was in church every Sunday twice, and then on Wednesday, and then on Friday, and I went to a Christian school. I was just, my entire life was surrounded by people who, who were of faith, by people who went to church. Um, a, a new kid came along at 12 years old. We became really good friends. I was spending the weekend at his house. I was like the first uh, friend who was a Christian that he ever had. He was kind of my first friend who wasn't a Christian, and it was really interesting. And we went down to the playground, and we were playing basketball, and I, I don't know if I missed a shot or tripped or something. Somewhere along the lines, I said, like, oh, my God. And one of the kids around me, he said, whoa, 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 like, this isn't time to pray. Like, do you believe in God? Or are you a Christian? And, like, as, as a 12-year-old kid, it, it's, you know, pretty simple answer, but, like, nine people turned around and looked at me. And there was this intensity to the moment where I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, totally unsure what to do. And, you know, for them, it was just, they just kind of moved on. They, we kept playing basketball, like, no big deal. But that moment hung with me forever, like, till now. I'm, I'm turning 40 in a few weeks, and I can still remember vividly what happened on the playground that day. And I think, I think the reason I can was that was the first time in my life that following Jesus cost me something. And it was something small. As a young person, it was embarrassment. It was all eyes looking at me, scared of what they might say when I answered the question, 
feeling like they might laugh at me or treat me differently. There was, there, it was the first time in my life where my faith cost me something. What's interesting is that it wasn't the last. That there are, have been many more moments throughout my life where following Jesus has cost me something. And, and, and my guess is that if you've been a Christian, that if you've been following Jesus for any kind of period of time or length of time, that you have moments like that in your own life. Where following Jesus kind of cost you something. There was a little bit of a challenge. There was some embarrassment. Some things went along with it that, that maybe we didn't like. Because the truth is, following Jesus can be a, a little bit unpopular, can it? It can be a little bit unpopular, like, you know, you, you, you're a dude, and you're hanging out with some guys, and you're talking about some, some hot girls, and you're like, guys, she is so hot, I just can't wait to, to hold her hand and guard her heart. Right, fellas? <laughs> like, no one's high-fiving you for that, right? That's just, it's weird. And, and then, you know, you're at work, and you get a raise, and the guy, you know, one of your buddies like, man, so are you going to go get the car you, you, you've been thinking about? No, 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 no. I'm gonna, I've chosen to live well below my means so that I can financially support my local church. It's like, yeah, it's not really popular. No one's really jumping on board with it. That sounds a little weird. And, and if it's not unpopular, maybe you've discovered that it can be a little bit difficult, that it can be a little bit challenging, that, that, that there are things that, that Jesus asks us to do that kind of stand in opposition to what we want to do. It's, it's one of those moments where maybe other people are doing things that you want to do, but you've been asked not to do them by Jesus. Like, like Jesus asks to live our life with sexual integrity and to care for, for, for genders or for people of the opposite sex. And, and that kind of stands in opposition to my lust and what I want to do. And I don't really like that. He asks us to love our neighbor, but that kind of stands in opposition or maybe goes against you know, you know, my pride or my anger or, or my, my selfishness. He asks us to, to sacrificially support those who can't support themselves. And well, that, that, now that's eating into my budget and my bottom line. And what we discover is that faith can be a little difficult. Or how about this? Maybe, faith, maybe you discover that faith can be a little risky. Right? You spend some time with God, you're praying, and you think your life is headed in the direction you want, and then God kind of throws you a curveball and says, why don't we go do this? You're like, wait, wait a second, God. Like, <clears throat> I was totally comfortable doing what I was doing. I, I, had, I had a good game plan. I had a strategy. I had a fallback plan. This seems totally uncertain. I'm not sure I want to follow you there. I, I liked my plan. I liked where I was going. This seems a little bit risky, God, and I'm not sure I want to follow you over there. Maybe you discovered that it can be a little bit inconvenient. Like things are going well at home and at work and at church, and then you show up one Sunday and Jim decides to preach a message called Out of the Shallows and Going Deeper and challenges you to take the 21 Days Deep Challenge. And you get a text every morning at 7. You're like, Jim, I barely wake up at 7. And then you want me to, to spend time reading the Bible and praying? That's like 15 minutes. Like, like do you know what, what my morning routine is like? I got, I got to drink my coffee, and I got to stop at Dunkin' Donuts and get my breakfast sandwich and get my, you know, the kids out the door. Like, like, this is a little bit inconvenient, Jim. I don't know if you realize that, but, but I have a life, and I have a schedule. And, and what you're challenging me to do to grow my faith is really inconvenient for my life. And I'm not really sure I want to do it. We all kind of discover this, that somewhere throughout our, our kind of journey in, in, in growing or journey in knowing Jesus and knowing God more, that, that the truth is that faith can be a little unpopular, a little difficult, a little risky, and a little inconvenient. And, and really, if you, you hear all of this, and if you're here for the first time and, and you're thinking, yeah, like this is the very reason I don't want to be a Christian. Like, I'm only here because someone bribed me. They told me there was, you know, a pretty girl or a hot guy. And, or maybe they bribed me with food afterwards, like, like whatever the case. You find yourself here because somebody invited you, but you don't really buy into any of this. Here's what you need to know. We're thrilled you're here. We created this church with you in mind, and we want you to be here. My guess is this is the very thing that keeps you where you are. 
Because being a Christian, following Jesus, you know, going to church, becoming somebody of faith, it's unpopular, it's difficult, it's risky, it's inconvenient. I like my life. So here, and then here's the question that I think many of us kind of ask ourselves, and you might find yourself asking. Well, if that's the case, then is it worth it? Like, is following Jesus really worth it? If, if it's true that, 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 <coughs> that life is going to be, take on a whole new meaning, that there's going to be challenges and difficulties, and there's going to be some risk involved, and, and it might seem a little inconvenient, then, then is it really worth it? Like, why would I even bother? Because i got to be honest, that sounds like something I don't know that I want to do. See, the, the thing is, and this is the challenge I want to post to you this morning, is, is that I, I believe that, that God is, is calling us to something deeper, into something more, into, into a relationship, if you will, that seems a little unpopular and a little risky and a little difficult. And if you find yourself asking, but, but I don't know that that's what I want to do. You see, the, the, the truth is that at the shallow end of the pool where, where most people kind of live and most people will, will even die there, they'll never go further than that. What you'll discover is the shallow end of the pool is easy and it's very well populated. But when you look over to the deep end, what, what you find is that the deep end is... is I'm popular, and there's not a lot of people, and it's risky, and it's difficult, and it's inconvenient. See, but here's the kicker. The deep end is what you've always wanted. The deep keeps calling. And we're just wondering, God, is, is it worth it? Here's another way to put it. I, I uh, was a lifeguard when I was in college, believe it or not. Um, I used to teach kids how to swim. Young kids had to swim, and, and <clears throat> when I started doing this, I felt very overwhelmed, but I, they, w- quickly I learned there are, kind of three, there are three kinds of kids that come for swimming lessons. And, and the first kid, he's the one who kind of stands up on the edge of the pool with his arm crossed. He's like, nope, not going in, not going in. If he's really young and really emotional, he tends to scream and cry and, and kick, I'm not going in! You know, th- that's when the mom's coming over and trying to quiet him down because she's embarrassed. There's that kind of kid. There, there's the kind of kid who, who's just like, like sitting on, on the edge of the pool, you know what I'm talking about, and he has his feet dangling in the water, and he's like, you know, I, I think I want to do this, but I'm not really sure. I, like, I, I, I like my feet getting wet, but I don't know that I want to get all wet. I'm kind of in, and I'm kind of out. And then there's the third kid, and that's the kid that just like jumps in the pool before you can even get there. That's the kid you have to rush over and make sure like, they're not going to die and drown, right? Like, that's the kid. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you know which of those three kids learns how to swim? The one who jumped in the one who's in the water, the one, the one who went all in and took the risk. So l- let me ask this question another way. <clears throat> Which kid are you? When it comes to your faith in Jesus, to, to your level of faith and your level of relationship with Jesus, which one are you? Are, are you the one who's standing up on the side with the arms crossed thinking, not doing it, not going in? I, I don't even know that I, that I buy into this Jesus thing. I'm not even sure if there is something to this. Hey, that's totally okay for you to be where you are. Maybe, maybe you find yourself being the one who's all in. Like, I'm all in, I did it, I jumped in, and it's amazing, and yeah, it's dangerous, and it's risky, and it's uncertain, and it's definitely unpopular, but, but I'm loving it. My guess is, though, for most of us, we find ourselves sitting on the ledge of our relationship with Jesus, kicking our legs. I like the water, but I'm not really sure I want to go all in. I, I'm kind of there, I'm kind of in, but I'm kind of out. Right? We're the ones who are like, I like, I like where I'm at here because I can control it. I can decide what I get to do and what I want to do. Like, like Jesus, I'm kind of in with you. Like, I'm definitely in on these, these things, but I'm not in on those things. I'm absolutely willing to do that, but I'm unwilling to ever do that. You see, the truth is for many of us, and this is my concern, is that we'll go through our entire life, our entire faith with Jesus as kind of like a percentage follower. 
right? I'm like 50% in, maybe even 25% in. Maybe some of us made up to like we're like 85% in, but we're just, we're just not there. We're just not willing to go all in and see what God would have for us. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Is that I think for us to experience the depths that we want to experience, we've got to go all in. That God is calling you to the deep and he's saying, I just want you to go all in. And if you do, what you will experience would be better than you ever thought possible. It will blow your imagination away. But are you willing? We're going to look at a passage of scripture. It's, I think, a brilliant passage of scripture. It's an incredibly challenging one. I've read it multiple times. And every time I do, it continues to challenge me. I think really there's just two verses I want to look at. But I'm going to give you some context and kind of start a little behind where I want to go. My guess is it's these two verses that could be the thing that help you decide once and for all, am I going to be the kind of person who sits on the edge forever? Am I going to be the person that hangs out in the shallows forever? Or am I going to be the person that says, you know what? I'm all in. I'm willing to risk it. I'm a little bit adventurous. I'm willing to throw caution to the wind. I want to go all in and see what God has for me. I think it's this verse that might do it. It's challenging and it is incredibly powerful. It's a verse that does it to me every time I read it. I'm reminded, Jim, are you going to go all in? So we're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew gives us a historical account of Jesus' life. And in particular, where we're going to start, it's after this famous kind of interaction happens between Jesus and Peter. Matthew tells us that, that, that this, from this interaction, something significant happens to Jesus. He, he begins to shift how he does ministry. That, that after this, this interaction with Peter, things in Jesus, in Jesus' walk in his life, how he talks, where he goes, it, it completely takes a turn. This is after Jesus, he's kind of having a meal with his disciples, and he's talking to them, and he says, hey, you know, people are talking about me. What do people say, who do people say that I am? And the disciples kind of respond, well, they think you're this, and they think you're that, and okay, okay, but guys, you've been with me the longest. Who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up for the disciples, and he says, Jesus, we believe, we believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And from that moment on, Matthew tells us something shifted in Jesus. Listen to how he says it in this verse. He says, from that time on, from the minute that that question was asked and Jesus realized they got it, they understand. From that time, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. From that time on, everything began to shift in Jesus. He, he, he now, now that he knows that they understand who he is, now he begins to unfold the plan. Hey, guys, here's the plan that God has for me. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and, and some bad things are going to happen, and, and, and all this is part of God's plan so that ultimately I would die. And they're like, this is crazy. What are you talking about? But it's all part of God's plan so that, again, I could be raised to life and overcome sin and defeat death. Like, like This is all part of his plan. But before this moment, he didn't share this. Because they didn't understand, they didn't realize who they were with. But once he realized it, everything took a shift for Jesus. Everything took a turn, and he begins to explain. Here is why I've come. Here are the plans for God. His plans to draw me deeper. His plans that seem unpopular and seem risky and and, and incredibly dangerous. But they are plans to take me to a level that I could never get on my own. He says this to, to, to his disciples. They begin to talk about this. And what's interesting is Peter, again, the outspoken one, he begins to speak up again. Peter says this, <laughs> took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Now, I'm not like a super intelligent guy, but that's not a smart plan for anyone, especially the son of God. I, I don't know about you, but I just think like somebody who says he's the son of God and you see him do what he's done, you don't pull him aside and begin to rebuke him. 
So I'm going to read this like I think Peter would say it with some emotion. I'm not mad at you. I just want you to, to kind of get the feeling. Jesus goes and he kind of uncovers his plans. I'm going to do this and I'm going to die. I'm going to be tortured and it's going to be crazy. And then I'm going to come to life. And then Peter says this, never, Lord, never. These things will never happen to you. And, and to be honest, I can kind of get where Peter's coming from, right? Like he's given his life for this. He loves Jesus. He's, he's sacrificed for Jesus. This is his man. This is, this is the guy. Like this is the, the king. Like Jesus, don't fill our head with these kinds of lies. They might come after you when we go into Jerusalem. But if we do, you're just going to, you're going to use like your God power and you're going to do something crazy. And, and even if you don't, we'll be there to defend you. Like anybody got a sword? You got a spear? Like we'll come, we'll, we'll fight. Jesus, don't lie to us. This will never happen to you. And from the heart of a good place of somebody who loves Jesus and refuses to believe that this could happen to the person they're following, Jesus then replies, and he gives Peter one of the most devastating comebacks that's ever recorded in history. Jesus, these things will never happen to you. Don't lie to us. Jesus turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's, you never want to hear that, especially from the Son of God. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't, have, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter, I know your heart's coming from a good place, and I know you don't want to believe this, but here's the thing. You're only concerned about you and, 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 and this thing that we started. You don't see the bigger picture. You don't see all that God's trying to do. You don't see the depths he's trying to draw me to. Of course, the part of me doesn't want to do this. Of course, part of me is worried about, about the, the unpopularity and the risk and the difficulty and the challenge and the inconvenience it's going to impose on me. I mean, I'm going to give my life. Of course, I don't want to a part of me. But Peter, there is something so much greater in store for me and in store for you if I do it. What he's really saying to Peter is this. Dude, you're getting in the way. I know it's coming from a good place, and I know you don't, you don't want me to do this, but, but man, you're trying to stop something that God wants to do, and the thing he wants to do is so much better than you can imagine. Stop getting in the way. This is what we learned in week one. Right, that God is, is trying to do something in you, that God is calling you to something deeper, that he's, he's calling you to something more. And, and, and sometimes we, we see these things and we wonder, why isn't God doing anything in our life and why isn't he answering? And, and believe it or not, the problem isn't God, the problem is us. We're just getting in the way of what God wants to do. And Jesus is reminding people, don't get in the way. Get on board. Because where he's taking me is better than you could ever imagine. Jesus then looks at his disciples. <clears throat> and from this moment on, he, he, he kind of changed course. He heads into Jerusalem. If, if you read the rest of the story, he heads into Jerusalem and he begins to do his work there until a few chapters later, we, we realize what happens to Jesus. Everything shifted from this moment. This was such a fundamental, such a key moment in his ministry. But before he takes that journey into Jerusalem to, to kind of do his final act, he teaches his disciples, here's how I want you to do the things that I'm doing. Here's how I want you to follow in my footsteps. In just a few weeks, in a few months, I'm going to go into Jerusalem, and this is going to happen to me, and then I'm going to leave, and it's going to be, it's going to be bad. But I want you to learn how to follow in my footsteps. So as a good leader, he turns to his disciples, and he teaches them. And he says, this is, <clears throat> this is what I want you to do. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to follow me, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
And I imagine he says this, and, and this is some really figurative language, right? He's referring to a cross, and they have no idea what's going to happen in a few chapters. They have no idea that in just a few chapters, he's literally going to go into Jerusalem and be wrongly accused and, and put in prison and then tortured, and, and then he's going to receive a, a death sentence, and he's literally going to have to take up his cross and carry it to a hill and die for us. They have no idea this is coming, but Jesus does. See, guys, here's what I want you to do. You want to, you want to be my followers? You want to learn to do the things I'm doing? You want, to, you want to experience the depths and the greatness that God has for you? Pick up your cross. Follow me. Deny yourself. And I think that the disciples' reaction, truthfully, is a lot like our reaction. Like, are you kidding me? Why would I do that? That sounds hard. That sounds dangerous. Why? I, I, I got to be honest. I'm a little comfortable here, Jesus. Sitting on the edge, kicking my feet, getting to pick and choose what I want and how I want and, and, and what I'm going to do. Like, Jesus, this is good. Why would I get off the edge? Why would I go in to this, to deny myself, to pick up the cross, to follow you? Like, like who in the world would do that? Why would we do that? And before his disciples can even ask the question, Jesus gives them the answer. Because as we know, Jesus knew the hearts of men. He says, you, you want to know why you should pick up your cross and follow me? He says, because whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life, for me, will find it. I'm going to read that again. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And we read that and we think, what? Like, what does that mean? Was, was, was he smoking something when he said this? Like, this makes no sense. So I'm, I'm going to try to illustrate it for you to the best I can, in, in the most simplest illustration that, that I can. <clears throat> um, a few months ago, my family got a dog. I've been wanting a dog for years, and I finally uh, twisted my arms, twisted my wife's arm hard enough for her to, to uh, let me get one. Um, we got a new dog, and this is what it looks like. This is Rocco. He's a, a Karen Terrier, a little guy, really cute. Uh, my daughter picked out the bow tie. She just thought it was adorable. Um, really cute little guy. He's about 10, 11 months old. Uh, we rescued him from the mill, so he, he spent the first probably eight or nine months of his life with, with really no care, no one looking after him, no kind of fun, good life at all. Uh, he came into our family, and, and you know we just kind of overwhelmed him with love. I was so excited. My wife will tell you she's not, but don't believe her. She's lying. Um, she spends more time with him than any of us. <clears throat> um, my girls are just over, I have three girls, they overwhelm him with love. He is just this, this cute little rat of a dog that we love. <clears throat> when he came, um, we got him some toys and we got him a tennis ball and he loved tennis balls and he was like eating through them, but his little mouth couldn't get on a hold of the big one. So my wife went out and like a good dog owner who loves their dogs, even though she tells you she doesn't, she went out and she got him more toys and she came back with, with these little tennis balls that he is completely obsessed with. He, he loses these things, I swear, like every three minutes. They're under some piece of furniture or, I, I don't know, under the stove. We're always tracking these things down. He just can't get enough of these little tennis balls. And I thought, you know, th this, is, this is fun, this is nice, but it's small and it's, it's kind of plain. And, you know, after a few days of chewing on them, they stink and, and they get lost. Like, this is, is, is the better toy, right? She got him this, and I'm like, look at this thing. It's, it's colorful and it's got frills and it's strong and we can play tug of war. Like, like, this is the thing you should want. So we try to play with him and he has no interest. He doesn't care about this at all. All he cares about is this stupid, smelly tennis ball that he won't let go of. And it's like, but, but Rocco, 
I, I have this thing over here and it's so much better. And, and, and look at it. It's, it's colorful and it's got frills and we can wrestle. And, and, and it's like, no, this is, this is what I want. I'm not letting go of this. And I think that's exactly what Jesus was trying to illustrate there. Hey, hey, hey guys, I've got this amazing life for you. And, and it's beautiful and, it, and it's colorful and it's, it's joy-filled and it's passion-filled. And, and it's, it, it's epic and it's adventurous and, and it, it's all the things you've wanted. But you've got to let go of this. The problem is that most of us say, but I, I like this. And this is mine, and I can control this, and I'm, I'm used to this, and this is comfortable. Yeah, but this is what you've always wanted, and it's better. And, and Jesus, what was Jesus' promise to us? He said, not only did I come to give you life, I've come to give you life in all of its fullness. Jesus, we know, would, would, would carry his own cross to a hill and die for our sins and then unleash on the world a gift of new life. And we're not talking just like, like a play life, like, hey, you're going to have a good life till you die. Believe it or not, he said, this life will carry past the grave into forever. That's the life I'm offering you. A life to its fullness that will last forever. But you got to let go of the tennis ball. And so many of us never get there. We kind of look like, yeah, that looks good, but it's dangerous and it's unpopular and it's risky and, and, and it seems a little inconvenient. This is safe. I, I like this. Just saying, but this is what you've always wanted. This is what I want for you. This is what God wants for you. But you've got to lose your life. You, at some point, you've got to be willing to put the tennis ball down and grab onto what I've offered. At some point, you've got to be willing to drop the tennis ball and with both hands, Grab on to the life that Jesus is offering. See, that's really the, the point of today. This is the one thing I wanted to tell you today, the, the, the bottom line, so don't miss this. The moment you find your life is the moment you lose it to Jesus. And for so many of us, we've built good lives. They're comfortable. We have a good job and a good family, and we show up to church on Sundays, and we sing some songs, and then, you know, you know whatever happens in here, it, it kind of tends to stay here, and then we go out, and, and, and we're whoever we want to be during the week. And Jesus says, but I have so much more for you, so much more meaning, so, so much more joy, so much more life, so much more adventure. Are you willing to lose your life to me to find the life you've always wanted? See, the truth is, deep is calling all of us. And a deep faith, a faith that we ultimately want, is one that is all in. Is one that says, Jesus, I'm not going to be the kid on the side and cross my arms and say, nope, not for me. I'm not doing it. not going to do it. We're not going to be the kids who sit on the side and say, but this is comfortable and I'm kind of, I'm kind of half in. I'm that percentage person. I'm like 50% with you or maybe even 80. Like I'm kind of there. I like getting my feet wet, but I'm not sure I want to go all in. Jesus, it seems risky. It seems uncomfortable. The faith that we want, the place that God wants to take us, where he can just blow our minds away with where he's going to take our life, take us in directions we never thought possible, to places we never thought possible, to do things we never thought possible. It requires to say, no, I'm that kid. I am all in. I'm going to throw myself in the deep end. I'm going to throw myself off that high dive like we talked about in week one. I, I, I am all in, Jesus. Yes, it's risky. Yes, it's uncertain. It may even be unpopular, but I want to see what you have for me because I believe that you brought something that nobody else can bring. 
I believe that you're doing something in this world that nobody else is doing. I think you're speaking into this world something nobody else is speaking. And I want that for me. Here's the question for you. Do you? Is that what you want for you? Or are you going to be the person who's content to sit on the side? Don't misunderstand me. You can do that. You can sit on the side forever and you can hold on to your tennis ball and hold on to the rope and try to go back and forth. And I'm going to to follow Jesus into 21 days of deep, but after 21 days, day 22, I'm going to go back to my thing. I'm going to go to church on Sunday and I'll even serve every once in a while, but but I'm I'm not going to do it all the time and I need my break. We're going to be people who go all in. We're going to be people who sit on the sidelines. And one day wish we went all in. See, the truth is I've never met anybody who's gone all in with their faith, who ever looks back and says, no, it wasn't worth it. I I wish I didn't. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask me, hey, Jim, like you've done this. It just seems, it seems risky. Is it risky? Like has God ever asked you to do something you, you didn't want to do? Yeah, I'm doing it. I am the most shy, like introverted person in the world. And he asked me to speak before audiences. Like, yeah, risky, uncomfortable, get it. I mean, has he ever asked you to do something that seemed unpopular? I already shared with you one story, and I could fill, fill up hours and hours about how, many, how much time I've spent making a fool of myself for God. Has it ever seemed difficult? All the time. Have you ever made mistakes every single day? Has it ever felt like you had to pick up your cross, like there was a burden that you had to carry in following Jesus, like, like, like it was going to cost you something? Absolutely. But Jim, is it worth it? 100% of the time. There has never been a day that I look back and regretted my decision. As a matter of fact, if you were to ask me, is there anything you regret? The only thing I regret is that I wish I could go back and convince myself to let go of that tennis ball sooner. That in the areas of my life, the arenas of my life where God was saying, Jim, there's so much more I have for you. There's so much deeper I have for you. Just jump in. I wish I would have let go sooner. Because the thing that I was holding on to that I thought was so dear and so important, it wasn't what I wanted at all. And eventually, as I convinced myself to let go, I realized this is exactly where I wanted to be forever. I wish I would have done it sooner. What would you do? Let's be honest. In a few minutes, we're wrapping this up, and, and out of the shallows, 21 days of deep is over. Is that where it ends for you? You had a good, you know, got your legs wet a little bit, kicked your feet around. Now you're ready to jump back out? You see, we can stay in the shallows forever, but we'll never be happy. We'll never get the life we've ultimately wanted to get. We'll never experience the fullness of what God wants us to have. You gotta be willing to go all in. So here's here's the question. For, For those of you, I'm guessing you're gonna find yourself in one of two places. You're like that curious skeptic. You came and you weren't really sure, is there more to this God thing? Is, is there more to this Jesus thing? Is Jesus real? Is, is it really, is, is there something behind it that's powerful? Here's the answer. Yeah, he's real. And it's amazing. And you should consider following him. I, I can't promise it's going to be like rainbows and roses forever. There's going to be difficulty and it's going to be unpopular and there, it might be a little inconvenient at times. But guys, it's everything you've hoped for. 
It's better than you've ever imagined. It'll take you places you've never thought you could go or maybe only dreamed were possible for you to go. For, for you, the decision this morning is going to be being willing to get in. You're not even in the shallows. You might jump right into the deep end. Yeah, I'm all in. I, I want this. In a moment, we're going to pray, and all I'm going to ask you to do is to say a simple prayer. Say, yes, Jesus. I, I believe it. I, I believe you are who you are. I believe you've done what you've done. I believe you're offering me the life that you're offering me. I'm in. I want it. But, but my guess is there's another group of us. We've been serving God for a while. We're like the restless veterans. We're here, and we've kind of gone through you know, the rigmarole of life, and maybe we find ourselves in a rut, or you know, we've just been doing this thing forever that, that you know, we don't really feel like we're all in. We've kind of moved back to the shallows a little bit. But what I want to say to you is Jesus, Jesus is offering you more of his life if you're willing to lose your life to him. So here's, here's my challenge to you. Don't stop losing your life to him. Don't you dare stop losing your life to him because what he is offering you is so much better than you ever thought possible. You, you may have at one point in your life experienced it and loved it and then something happened along the way and maybe we got tired or, or, or maybe we got frustrated or something came along that we, how could God? And we kind of took a step back. Don't stop losing your life to Jesus because what he is offering you is so much better than what you would have otherwise. A life to its fullest, a life full of joy and full of peace and full of passion. David said in his presence, it's like there's joy. And later in the Bible it says, he brings peace that passes all understanding. There is so much in there for you that you could experience, but you gotta be willing to go all in. For those of you that went all in and took a step back, get back. Don't you dare stay on the sides another week, another year, another decade. God wants it all. And in return, he says, I'm offering you it all. Will you go all in with Jesus? Or will you keep sitting on the side? For those of you who are uncertain, it's fine to stay where you are. But for those of you who are feeling something different, that there's just something in that hasn't sat right this whole time, I think that's God trying to speak to you. If you're here, and it's, you're that person who says, you know what, Jim, this morning, I've got to take the first step. I, I never would have considered God before. I didn't come expecting to, to, re to receive Jesus or, or do any of this. But as you're talking, I feel like maybe today's the day. Here's what I want you to do. I want everyone here to close their eyes and bow their heads. Don't stare up at me because that's uncomfortable for everyone else. Really uncomfortable for me. I'm just going to ask you to say a simple prayer. If you're here and you say, Jim, I, I want to start. I want to get in the pool. I want to know Jesus and what he has for me. All I'm going to ask you to do is say a simple prayer. You could say it out loud. You could say it in your heart. You could say it in your mind. You speak to yourself, that kind of thing. You say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you are who you said you are. I believe you came to give me the life that nobody else could give. Jesus, and this morning, I want it. I am all in for you. And if you say that this morning... Jesus said, you're a new creation. Things are, are brand new. This, this new life that I can give you, you'll begin to experience it every day. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. Lord, I know this message is so incredibly challenging. It's, it's challenging, God, for those of us who have been saved for years and years, and it's challenging for those of us who aren't even sure, God, if we want to follow. 
<clears throat> Lord, but I pray that you would raise up in us a, a spirit of courageousness, that we would be willing to say, yes, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to go all in with Jesus. I, I know there's some risk involved. I know it's uncertain. It might be unpopular, but there is so much more that you're offering than any risk, than any unpopularity, than any uncertainty can weigh in. I want all that you have for me. God, I pray that as we're willing to take that courageous step in your direction, God, that, that you would do what only you could do, that we would begin to experience the life that you promised, that you would begin to speak and direct, God, into a life that's full. And I give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.